let's uh, go to Leviticus, Leviticus 18, and uh, let's read who wants to read verses uh, 1 through 5? Well, 18, 1 through 5. Who wants to read 6 through 18? I can read it. 6 to 18, right? Uh -huh. Who wants to read 19 through 23? Who wants to read 24 to 30? <coughs> 24 to 30. All right, thanks. All right. Leviticus 18, verse 1. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, I am Yahweh your God. You shall not do according to what's done in the land of Egypt where you live. Nor are you, go, are you to do according to what is done in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statue. You are to do my judgment and keep my statue to walk in them. I am Yahweh your God, so you shall keep my statue and my judgment, which if a man does them, he shall live by them. I am Yahweh. None of you shall approach any blood relative to his to uncover nakedness. I'm Yahweh. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, that is the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother. You are not to uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness. The nakedness of your sister, either your, your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether born, uh, born at home or born outside, the nakedness of you shall not uncover. The nakedness of your son's daughter and your daughter's daughter, the nakedness you shall not uncover, for the nakedness is yours. The nakedness of your father's wife daughter born to your father to your father, she is your sister. Uh, you shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister, she is your father's blood relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is your mother's blood relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. You shall not approach his wife. She is your aunt. You sh shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your of a woman or of your of her daughters, nor shall you take uh, her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover the nakedness. You are blood relative. It is lunacy. Uh, and you shall not marry a woman in addition to her sister as a rival while she is alive to uncover her nakedness. 
Also, you shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness during her menstrual impurity. You shall not have intercourse with your neighbor's wife to be defiled with her. You shall not give any of your offspring to offer them to Molech, nor shall you um, profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. Also, you shall not have intercourse with any animal to be defiled with it, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is a perversion. Do not defile yourselves by any of these things, for by all the, these the nations which I am casting out before you have become defiled. For the land has become defiled, therefore I brought its punishment upon it, so the land has spewed out its inhabitants. But as for you, you are to keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not do any of these abominations, neither the native nor the alien who sojourns among you, for the men of the land have, uh, who have been before you have done all these abominations, and the land has become defiled, so that the land will not spew you out should you defile it, as it has spewed out the nation which has been before you. For whoever does any of these abominations, those persons who do so shall be cut off from among their people. Thus you are to keep my charge that you are that you do not practice any of the abominable customs which have been practiced before you, so as not to defile yourselves with them. I am the Lord your God. So uh, chapter 16 was the big chapter, the kind of the, the, the peak of the pyramid, the Day of Atonement, where uh, the tabernacle is reset, it's rebooted, uh, any of the unintentional, unintentional, accidental defilements are cleansed away through uh, this elaborate ceremony by the high priest in order for God to dwell with his people. So that's the high point of it all. That's where uh, the future is heading toward where God will remove all sin from this planet and the universe so that he may dwell with his people again. Uh, that was a, a play, a kind of a just a, a model of, uh, of the, the end of the end of time. Chapter 17 began with the blood and the blood because it contains so many uh, theological realities, atonement, the life is in the blood. <laughs> We learned about uh, it, its precious nature. Uh, some of us learned that we can no longer eat our favorite uh, meals. Uh, my, my favorite uh, Korean blood sausage stew, no longer available. Um, uh, Peter's Thai boat noodles, no longer <laughs> available for him. So I, I guess last week, Friday was a bummer for a couple of us. Um, for those of you, uh, I guess you're okay. Um, Chapter 18, as we move into this, this today's chapter, deals with the, the topic of uh, forbidden sexual unions. It, it talks about uh, incest, especially. Um, and uh, this, was, this, was kind of, this was kind of important. It's addressed to a man because he's the one initiating this uh, relationship. And if it deals with sex, it deals with marriage, right? Because you, you can only have sex with the, the one you you marry. So this is this is this is about a, a man and who he can marry and cohabitate with, uh, have relations with, uh, and.
And it, it, it gives a distinction between the immediate family and the extended family. There's an, and this, this distinction, and so chapter 18 is basically, you can't marry anyone within your immediate family. And Moses defines who is considered part of the immediate family. Why would that be important? Why would be that? Why would that be important to, to make this distinction between the immediate family and the extended family? Those other pagan people were doing it, practicing. Uh, uh, yes, they were doing it with both parties. Sure. No, not genetic. Because remember, uh, who were the Israelites permitted to marry with? Could they marry other pagans? No, they couldn't marry Canaanites. And because the, the land needed to stay within the tribe, they needed to marry within the tribe. Right? So that means, you know, you're... Your, your potential marriage spouse was was your like a distant cousin. It, it, the, your only option was an extended family members. And so in light of the, the your prospective marriage partners, uh, which were basically extended family, God draws this line, okay? That you can marry extended family, but not immediate family. And let me define for you who immediate family is. And so, chapter 18, uh, believe it or not, is, is, is defining who the family is. And you can't marry within the family. And this, this is tied back to creation. Uh, notice in um, chapter, chapter 18, verse 6, none of you shall approach any blood relative. There's a principle that runs through this definition of who... who who family is and who family isn't as a principle. And that principle is found within the word blood relative. And the word literally means flesh of his flesh. Flesh of his flesh. Um, why is that important? Do you remember the phrase in Genesis 2.24? When God instituted marriage, he said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Right? So incest violates that principle of two becoming one. Incest is wrong because one person becomes one. That's not the creation formula. Now, the same person, even though technically are two, they're considered one person becoming one person when the close relatives get married and cohabitate, right? Because your immediate family is considered one. So it's one and one cannot become one. It's two. Two distinct people, male and female, can become one. That's the creation formula. So if I can't, and you'll see this later, I could never marry my sister-in-law because we're considered one. We're considered one person. And one person can't become one person. Only two can become one. Right? That's why homosexuality 
is sinful and lawful because it's the same sex. It's male-male. It's just, they're one. They're one. And one cannot be one. It has to be male-female. One, two, two becoming one. It needs to be a complement, a complement, a com you have to complement each other. And the, and the, the, the creation formula is, the creation formula, formula is two becoming one. One becoming one in God's eyes is unnatural and sinful. So you have these sexual ethics here to uphold marriage. Any deviation is considered uh, uh, immorality, and that's the logic behind Leviticus 18. Uh, God is holy, and what he's established in creation before the fall, that ideal must be maintained in its purity, with some um, exceptions and qualifications, as you will see as we go through this. Uh, the order of chapter 18, 19, and 20 is important because the laws in 18, 19, and 20, they are the foundational principles of social morality. They are the foundational principles of a, of a society. And so chapter 18, because it's first in the order, uh, it shows that marriage is the most important. Marriage is the cornerstone of all human society. You see this throughout Scripture, uh, everywhere. Uh, in Deuteronomy, the worst kind of punishment, remember, was to be cursed on a cross. The, the penultimate crime was to for, for children to dishonor uh, their parents, and that would also uh, warrant uh, the death penalty because, again, that would... Uh, if parents don't submit, if, if children don't submit to their parents, uh, it, it tears apart the family. And when the family is compromised, the entire society is compromised. A marriage is the foundation of any healthy society. Um, in, in, in the last, last book of the Old Testament, uh, Malachi, that prophesies uh, the coming of Christ, it says, uh, chapter 4, verse 5, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of, uh, of the great uh, and awesome day of the Lord. Well, see, there's a, he's, he's prophesying John the Baptist, and he's going to prophesy the one who will bring about, verse 6, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land, devoting it to destruction. What does that mean? turning the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. What does that mean? Christ will restore the family. Christ will restore the family. That's what he does. You know, Bruno Berman is just watching a little TikTok video of this famous person talking about how his father left them when he was three years old, right? And then when he became famous, the father tried to, tried to introduce himself and explain why he left. The son wanted nothing to do with him. That's, that's a broken family. Who is this? Uh, it's just a famous person. Um, and so, and you see here that, you hear that uh, all the time. So, um, incest cannot be tolerated. It would destroy the family. Any violation of chapter 18 destroys marriages, it destroys family, and therefore it would destroy the nation Israel. That's why it's first uh, in these three chapters about laws for Israel. When we go to verse 1, uh, Moses, Yahweh speaks to Moses saying, 
speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, I am your God. Uh, chapter 18 begins that way, and how does chapter 18 end? In the same way. And the emphasis is that these are the commands of God, and you need to take this very seriously. Is that coming from me? Uh, it's also, it's a, it's a possessive statement. He's saying, I am Yahweh, your God. I'm your God. That means I own you. Uh, you're mine, so listen to me. The phrase was used when uh, Israel uh, left uh, Egypt, and God redeemed them, and he said, he said this phrase, I am Yahweh, your God. Because I redeemed you from Egypt, I own you. I'm your redeemer. It's used when God calls us to be holy. He says in Leviticus 11, uh, verse uh, 44, For I am Yahweh who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. Then he says this, thus you, thus you shall be holy, for I am holy. So we're expected to imitate the one who redeemed us, the one who owns us. And the third way this phrase is used is to motivate Motivate us to keep a law. This is not a formal duty. This is a loving, res loving response to God's grace in our redemption. Then in verse 3, Yahweh says to Moses to tell Israel, You shall not do according to, according to what is done in the land in Egypt, where you live, nor, you, nor are you to do according to what is done in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. So he's a, they're about to enter the promised land. They're about to enter the land of Canaan. And God says, uh, don't do the following. Don't do what the Canaanites do. Don't walk in their laws. These are my laws. And the prohibitions that you find in this chapter were very common in Egyptian and Canaanite culture. You see this in scripture. You see this in non-biblical sources. In the Egyptian royal family, brothers married sisters. The laws of Hammurabi and the Hittites uh, allowed some kinds of incestuous relationships. Even the patriarchs disregarded these rules. Abraham married his who? Sister. His half-sister. <laughs> Jacob married who? A distant relative. Two sisters. He married two sisters. You'll see where you can't, you're not allowed, you can't marry two sisters. Uh, you can't be hurt. Uh, 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 and so homosexuality was common among the Canaanites. Bestiality was known in Egypt, uh, in Hittite, Canaanites, among the Canaanites. Uh, there was a cult in Egypt that involved the cohabitation of women and goats. Ramses II, the pharaoh of the Exodus possibly, claimed to be the offspring of the god Ptah, who took the form of a goat. Ugaritic texts speak of gods copulating with animals, and the Hittite laws legislated against certain forms of bestiality while permitting others. Uh, our hearts are wicked, and these laws reflect our wickedness. And you, and you see some of this going on in today in today's society. Sometimes you see it even in, in the church. Paul addresses that in 1 Corinthians, right? Somebody sleeping with his uh, father's wife. Um, and uh, some other examples I can show you later. So, uh, verse 5, he says this, so you, so you shall keep statutes and my judgments, which if a man does them, he shall live by them. I am Yahweh. This doesn't mean that 
you gain eternal life by obeying these commands. This is the standard that nobody can keep, and the implication is nobody can find life by keeping them, because nobody can keep, keep these commands. So this is a standard nobody can keep. And it's a standard that God is saying, you can't find life by keeping these commands. So already, the law is pointing to someone else to give them life. Keeping the law won't give them life. And so uh, it's important that you kind of understand verse 5 rightly. We move into the second point of sexual regulations in the family. And you have 12 illicit relationships that are mentioned. This defines who is part of your immediate family, and therefore you can't marry somebody within your immediate family. It is, these incestuous relationships include your mother, stepmother, sister, half-sister, granddaughter, stepsister, maternal aunt, maternal, maternal aunt, maternal aunt, maternal uncle's wife, daughter-in-law, brother's wife, stepdaughter, or step-granddaughter, or wife's sister. So these are all the relationships that are defined as being within the immediate family, and therefore, you're one, you're one family, and one, and one can't be one. Two become one. You're considered one person, right? There's this corporate oneness within this immediate family. So it's like, it would be like marrying yourself. Marrying your relative would be like marrying yourself. And, and that can't be, because it, the creation formally is it's two. Two separate individuals becoming one. Two separate individuals who complement each other, becoming one. Uh, verse uh, 6 is the opening, opening statement. It's establishing the general category that's going to be spelled out in the following verses. And he says, none of you shall approach any blood relative, anyone of the same flesh, uh, to uncover, right? Uh, the, the flesh of your flesh, to uncover nakedness. Again, this is important because the Israelites, they can only marry each other, and they only, they only can marry within the tribe. Uh, and so uh, if you're going to marry within the tribe, you're marrying, you're kind of, you're going you're to marry a cousin, <laughs> distant cousin, uh, but there are restrictions. There are lines you can't cross. There's, uh, you're all, usually this, this immediate family would be in, in the same household, in the same house residing in the same property, there are uh, sexual energies that need to be subordinated to God's will, and this is the law that uh, shows what God's will is. And so the blood relatives that are defined as being a part of, of your nuclear family is your mother, your father, your son, your daughter, your brother and sister, and an uncle. Um... These members, uh, 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 you can't marry anybody here. This is this is your one with them. Um, the word uncover nakedness, it's a euphemism for a sexual intercourse. Uh, it means to have sexual relationships. I think, uh, uh, Constance, you have the NIV, correct? Is your translation the NIV? <coughs> Yeah, NIV says. Yeah, so the NIV has uh, to have sexual relations. It's kind of it. Uh, it defines it correctly. Oh, so you can have a sex with your wife. Um, obviously, 
Um, and so this, this for a single man, this defines who, who you can't make your wife. These are the limits. It defines the family. Uh, verse 7, we begin this long future list of restrictions. Uh, you would think it would be obvious, but uh, obviously not so. Uh, here, verse 7, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your father. Remember, uh, it's just you can't have sexual relations with your father. That is the nakedness of your mother. So she is your mother. You are not to uncover her nakedness. Why is it phrased this way? Why? Why? Uh, you can't have a, a, this kind of relationship with your mother. But then he begins that prohibition by synonymously saying, "You cannot." You cannot cover the nakedness of your father. Then he corrects himself, the nakedness of your mother. Well, why is it phrased like this? Because they're one. Exactly. Because they're one. They're one. It's like the same thing. It's the same thing. They're one person. The two become one. Uh, verse 8, uh, you shall not uh, uncover the nakedness of your father's wife, it is your father's nakedness. What's the difference between verse 8 and verse 7? What do you think? In verse 8, it is still the father's nakedness. Well, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's the father's wife, yeah, but because the father's wife is the same as the father. It, it, it uses that term interchangeably, but he's referring to the father's wife. But verse seven, uh, Moses just said that it's the nakedness of your mother. So is it, is he repeating himself? So remember, this chapter allows multiple wives, right? It, it allows multiple wives. It allows polygamy, even though it's not the creation standard, and I'll explain why later. So if this is common, right? This is uh, this is a common thing. Men had multiple wives in this in this time, in this place. And so there's your mother, and then there's your father's wife. Are they the same person? No. So this would be your father's wife. Who isn't your mother? It would be, I guess, I guess if you were, I don't know how that would work. I guess if, you know, uh, you know, Jacob and his sons, he had multiple <laughs> wives, I guess you'd call your birth mom, mom, and then the concubines, his concubines who birthed your half brothers, I don't know what they called, uh, they called, I don't know, but I'm sure they had a term for it. And so he's saying, uh, no, you can't, you can't marry your mother, you can't marry your father's wife, your, your stepmother. Uh, verse 9, the nakedness of your sister, either your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether born at home or born outside. Um, so your father's daughter, who was, um, who would be your, your, also your mother's daughter. Your mother's daughter, born outside might have been somehow 
your mother went away on a long trip and came back with your sister and it's been a long time, you can't marry her or you, that's not a situation you can uh, be married. Uh, verse 10, you can't marry your grandkids. The nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, that their nakedness you shall not uncover this for their nakedness, nakedness is yours. What does that mean? Their nakedness is yours. You're one. You're one. So it violates that creation principle of two becoming one. You can't marry yourself. If you were to marry your granddaughter uh, of, of, your, of your son or your daughter's child, uh, it would be like marrying yourself. And, and that's unnatural. You can't marry yourself. If a man was to marry a man, it would be like marrying yourself. It's unnatural. It violates the creation order. Um, verse 11, the nakedness of your father's wife's daughter born to your father. This is your half-sister. So this would be your father's second wife, third wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. No sexual relationship with, relationship with her. Uh, 12 and 13, uh, your father's sister. So your aunt. Can't marry your aunt. Uh, you can't marry your aunt on your father's side or your mother's side. Verse thirteen, uh, fourteen. Uh, your uncle. You shall not approach his wife. Uh, you should not cover the nakedness of your daughter daughter-in-law. She's your son's wife. You're one with her. You shall not uncover her nakedness. Verse 16, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's nakedness. Even, now, there is an exception here. Where is the, there's an exception to verse 16. And you know what that exception is called? The leveret marriage. So that's in 25, 5 through 10. Go there, really now. Go there now, and you see the exception clause. So, if twenty-five Deuteronomy twenty-five ten gives the exception to this, if brothers live together and one of them dies and has no son, then the wife of the one who died shall not be married outside the family to a strange man. Her brother's husband's brother shall go into her and take her to himself as wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And it will be that the firstborn whom she bears shall assume the, the, the name of his dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. But if the man does not desire to take his brother's wife, when his brother's wife shall go to the gate to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to raise up a name for his brother in Israel, he is not willing to perform the duty of a husband's uh, brother to me, then the elders of the city shall summon him and speak to him. And if he stands and says, I do not a desire to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the sight of the elders and pull his sandal off his foot and spit in his face, and she shall answer and say, Thus it is done to the man who does not build up his brother's uh, half. So the, the firstborn, the firstborn brother, if he has, uh, if he dies and there is no descendant to carry along the family name, the second brother in charge takes over 
and his son is given the name of the older brother. That's what you find in the book of Ruth. Uh, Ruth of, of Boaz's husband dies, and then somebody, it's not exactly like this, it's similar to this, where somebody in Boaz's family is responsible uh, because Ruth is part of Boaz's family, somebody within the family needs to marry Ruth. But the guy, if he marries her, his children, uh, the inheritance goes to his children, and the name of Boaz's husband goes to goes to those children. And so the older man, who's the older man? No, that's Naomi, I'm sorry. So Naomi, Naomi somebody from Naomi's family must marry Ruth. Uh, <coughs> nobody in Naomi's family wants to marry Ruth, so Boaz gets to marry Ruth. And so that's what's he's taking the he's taking the place of that older brother. Well, the so there's an exception. Been there. Yeah, kids are Exactly. Kids are redeemed. Uh, verse 17. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and of her daughter. So you can't marry a woman and her daughter. Uh, you can't take her son's daughter, her daughter's daughter, to uncover her nakedness. They are blood-related uh, relatives. It is lewdness. Uh, verse 18, you can't marry two sisters. You can't marry two sisters. Like who did? Who married two sisters? Jacob. 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 Mm -hmm. Not Jacob. Um, that was before the law, but <coughs> still wrong. You should, verse 19. Now we go to, uh, so we cover all the family. So this is one, uh, 6 through 18 is all that, that defines the immediate family. You can't marry anyone within the immediate family. You can marry anybody outside the immediate family. You should, because to pass along the land and the name, need to marry somebody within the tribe, but not within your immediate family. Now, in verses 19 to 23, there are offenses that are committed outside the family. And five illicit offenses are addressed in this section. This, these crimes include sex during menstruation, uh, adultery is a crime, offering your offspring to Molech, child sacrifice is a crime, uh, homosexuality is a crime. Bestiality is a crime. Um, before I move on, I think this is really helpful. I think these uh, you see the laws of incest repeated in the New Testament, so they still apply. You see the creation principle here that still applies. So it, it, it is it is actually practical. I mean, sometimes, uh, believe it or not, a siblings marry each other. Uh, brother and sister will marry each other. I know of a, a situation of a, a friend's church, a, a brother and sister, they were married. And uh, they became Christians, and they came to the church, and they said, what do, you, what do we do? We're, we're brother and sister. And uh, I think my friend, he, he, they didn't know what to do. And I think they, I think their counsel wasn't, wasn't actually right. It wasn't, it wasn't biblical. I think they said, like, just keep it a secret, because it's going to be really... Nobody's going to talk to you if anybody knows, which was not good advice. But according to this chapter, it's not a real marriage, right? Because they're one. They're, they're one. One can't become one. Only two become one. 
so the counsel should have been, well, you're, this is not a real marriage, and so you can separate. It's not, it's not a divorce because it's not a real marriage. And so that, that's what the counsel should have been. And if they would have studied Leviticus 18, it would have been extremely clear. And I'm glad I studied this chapter because if that, God forbid, that ever happens, it will be very clear for me what, 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 what the approach should be. Well, uh, outside the family, there are offenses. The first offense is uh, menstrual impurity. There's no relationships with your wife during menstrual impurity. Why is that? You learn that in chapter, chapter 17. Okay, but, but, but more than that, there's blood, and blood is what? Blood is holy. Blood is holy. Blood is uh, sacred. Because blood represents the lamb who, died, who will die for our sins. The one who gave to life. Blood, is rep blood represents life. The life that God's son sacrificed for us. Uh, verse 20. You shall not lie sexually with your neighbor's wife to be defiled with her. Uh, so this is adultery. This is an assault on the family. This destroys a man. If you want to destroy your marriage, destroy your family, then commit adultery. Can you turn that down, that volume down? Uh, verse 21. This is kind of interesting. It, it says, don't uh, offer your children to Molech, no child sacrifice. Um, this was common back then. We have fossils of babies uh, who where their legs are broken because apparently when they would put on the fire, the babies would try to crawl out, so the priest would break the baby's legs so they couldn't crawl out. Uh, this was a pagan worship. Uh, there could have been something sexual attached to it, so that's why it's here in this chapter. But God's people are, are, are not to do that. You see uh, Molech worship in First Kings and Second Chronicles, and you would think, Israel wouldn't need to be told this, but they are. Uh, verse 22, uh, homosexuality. You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It's an abomination. This is a, a really strong word here. It, it, uh, it's abhorrent to God. It's repugnant to God. This verse is very unambiguous. It's very clear. You can't get around it. Why? Because a male and a male is one. And one and one can't become one. It's two becoming one, male and a female. And then uh, verse 23, you think this would be unspoken, an unspoken obvious thing you shouldn't do, but it's here because this is how wicked humans are or how they can become. Moses says in verse 23, you shall not lie with any animal to be made unclean with it, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is a perversion. So, verse 24, uh, point number four, this is the punishment, the punishment for uh, breaking these, these commands or this prescription of marriage, sexual purity. Moses says in verse 24, Do not defile yourself by any of these things, for by all these nations which I am casting you out before you have become defiled, so the land has become unclean, and I have brought its punishment upon it, and the land has vomited out its inhabitants. So there's the tabernacle where 
it's unclean and unholy, you're, you're, you need to separate yourself from the tabernacle. And that same principle applies to the promised land. Uh, the promised land is seen as an ex a bigger version of the tabernacle, a bigger version of the Garden of Eden. And if uh, there's a, a, a breaking of these laws, then uh, the land will vomit you out. And the land is personified as a human getting sick and vomiting this unclean, diseased, infectious vomit out of their lungs. Ancient, uh, ancient uh, uh, Colosseums, um, the entrances of, the, of a Roman Colosseum, Colosseum is called a vomitory. You know why it's called a vomitory? Because when the people leave the stadium, it looks like what? The stadium is puking out people. Right? And the, uh, the land can do that. The land can do that. Uh, but as for you, you shall uh, keep my statutes, my judgments, a uh, native, a sojourner, a foreigner. Everybody has to keep these laws. For the men of the land who have, who have been before you have done all these abominations, so, and the land has become defiled. So the land will vomit you out should you make it unclean, as it ha has vomited out the nation which has been before you. And so uh, God is speaking in the past tense, and he's talking about the Canaanites who are going to be expelled from the land because they have broken all these rules. They have violated all these uh, commands of purity and sexuality. And so God will kick them out of the land. And he's saying, if you do the same thing, the same thing will happen to you. So that, that's a, just kind of a general principle. So when we're talking about colonization, we're talking about people taking over lands. Whose land is it? It's God's land. It's God's property. And when the sin rises to a certain level, he kicks you out. He kicks you out of the land. Um, and does God ever vomit out the nation Israel? Does he ever vomit out, vomit them out of the land? He does. Babylonian exile, Assyrian exile. And so what does it say? That Israel violated, violated many of these prohibitions. So we know the end of the story for Israel, they don't keep the commandments, they don't find life, and uh, he says, in verse 30, he finishes this, you are to keep my charge, that you do not do any of the abominable statutes which have been done before you so as not to defile yourself with them. I am your God. Is this, are these prohibitions in effect today? Yes, because the New Testament echoes uh, the teaching of Leviticus 18. Go to Mark. Go to Mark 16, or Mark uh, 6. Mark 6, uh, 17, Herod himself had 
had John arrested and bound in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother uh, Philip. So Herod married his uh, brother's wife while Philip was alive. And what did John say? It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Right? John is repeating Leviticus 18. You're one. You can't. One can't become one. And so, uh, 1 Corinthians 5 talks about uh, somebody having an illicit relationship with his father's wife. Adultery is forbidden. He said in Romans, 1 Corinthians, homosexuality forbidden. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 1 Timothy 1. Um, one person said, Chastity is the most unpopular of the Christian virtues. There is no getting away from it. The old Christian rule is either marriage with complete faithfulness to your partner or else total abstinence. Now, in the New Testament, uh, Jesus raises the standard and he goes back to the principle of, of the garden where there's Adam and Eve, one woman, one wife. See, Leviticus 18 allows for polygamy. And so, and this was this violated the creation principle, but God, realizing that because of the, the day and the age in which they lived, he realized this was an impossible command for the, because of the depravity of their Israelites, for them to keep. So he allows this, he just allows it. He's not saying it's good. He's not saying it's right. He just allows it for a time. And then when Jesus... The, the bearer of the new covenant for his people, we go to the full, the fullest measure of creation principle: one night, one man, <coughs> uh, one wife, two becoming one. So even though Leviticus 18 doesn't reach the level of the New Testament, it does have the same principle, right? Two becoming one uh, that the New Testament has. Well, I want to finish off by reading you an article. It's not, it's not too long. I just read it today. It's a CCEF article by Aaron Cerrone, and it's titled, Think You're Immune to Adultery? You think you're immune to it? You read that? It's really good. Let me read it for you. Many people imagine they're immune to an infidelity seduction. Listen, but they are not. King David was a man after God's own heart, who found favor in the sight of God, who composed half of the Psalms. If he was not exempt from the allure of adultery, then we are not either. Listen to this. Adultery is not solely sexual. The dynamics of this are illustrated well in the story of David and Bathsheba. Here, Scripture opens the door wide and invites the wise to heed three warning signs. So these, these, these are three warning sign, signs that married couples should practice to look out for. Number one, watch out for distance and apathy. Watch out for distance and apathy. The narrator wastes no time diving immediately into the drama. From the very first verse, we see clouds forming on the horizon. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. 
The fact that David remained in Jerusalem at the time when kings go out to battle foreshadows what's to come. It reveals that something has changed for David. Once David was a king who actively cared for God's people and personally went out before his army to fight their battles. Now he appears apathetic and let, lets others do the work. In the past, he had so valued the lives of his men that he wouldn't drink water brought to him from behind enemy lines. But now he was reclining at home while his men fought wars for him. What had changed? We don't know. But somehow, David had become weary and indifferent. He began to distance himself from God and his commitments. Adultery doesn't seem to be on the horizon, but that's because we assume it begins with lust. So we assume that adultery begins with lust. This writer says instead, as we see in the example of David and Bathsheba, it can begin with discontent, apathy, and distance. When a spouse becomes weary and discontent, their energy and deepest affections may drift away from their spouse and God, and toward other things like work, parenting, ministry, hobbies, sports, or other friendships. The marriage covenant may grow hollow, and the friendship ancillary, ancillary devotion is challenged and channeled in other directions. As marital connection declines, unfaithfulness becomes more possible. So watch out for distance and apathy. To safeguard your marriage, Stay actively engaged with your spouse and with God. After the fact, when couples work through the dynamics of unfaithfulness, they frequently speak of having first grown distant from God and one another, slowly shifting their focus elsewhere. They may not have even noticed these changes until the infidelity was revealed. So what is he talking about? Um, you know, when you first get married... First year or two, you're like into each other and your relationship is really close. But as the years go by, you have kids and those feelings dissipate, apathy sets in, right? And there's a, there's a distance that begins to become apparent. And parents can focus on parenting and jobs and ministry and you grow distant, you grow apart from each other. And that is a recipe for disaster. So it's good to make sure um, you're always close and you're always working on that and you're always opening up your heart to your spouse and you're always conversing with your spouse. Um, and so uh, adultery often doesn't begin with adultery. It, bring, it begins with apathy and distance and discontentment. Number two. Watch out when you desire what is not yours. What follows this distance and lack of engagement are seeds of discontent. When David was confronted by the prophet Nathan, uh, he was reminded, he reminded David how much he had received from God. Uh, David, when he was younger, was so thankful for all that he had received. But then time had set in and David lost that initial sense of gratefulness and thankfulness. He knew God's design for marriage was monogamy. He, he broke, he broke the, the law for De Deuteronomy 17. It outlawed three things that, that kings of Israel couldn't have. They couldn't have many wives. They couldn't have a lot of gold. They couldn't have a lot of horses. And David knew that, and he, he, he had many wives. 
And there's no evidence that he had a bad marriage, but there was evidence that he was becoming uh, unthankful for, for all that God had given him. Author Esther Perel insists that even a good marriage is no guarantee against infidelity. The primary causes, she says, are a stubborn sense of entitlement and specific desires and longings be fulfilled. When we drift and we allow distance and passivity and discontent to creep between ourselves and God or with our, or with our spouse, we, we become vulnerable to adultery's temptations. We, we start to crave more. We want more and more. Nothing satisfies. Uh, David, uh, he was accused by, uh, by Nathan of theft and covetousness. When David saw Bathsheba bathing on the rooftop and, and inquired as to who it was, it was, as if as his, it was as if his servants tried to warn him. They introduced her as Eliam's daughter and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. It was a subtle way of communicating to David, she doesn't belong to you. And this is why Bathsheba is most often referred to in the Bible as Uriah the Hittite's wife. In Matthew 1.16, She's called Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. So watch out when you desire what is not yours. Address any subtle entitlement in your heart before it turns into action. Do not steal. I like this one sentence. If you are married, God has generously given your spouse to you and no other. Right? So as long as, you, as, long as you're married, no matter how long you're married for, your wife is, is, is always a generous gift to you. Your husband is always a generous gift to you. And no one, no, no other. Every other person is not yours to possess. Your theft could be even found in some emotional attachment that you keep, that you have secrets with somebody other than your spouse. These kind of attachments steal some of the intimacy from your marriage and are a warning sign. Number three. Watch out for dishonesty. Liars are cheaters. Cheaters are liars. There, there is an inevitable deception in David and Bathsheba's story. There's a cover-up, and nobody knows what he has done except for Bathsheba and himself. Everyone else is confused, disoriented. The willingness to be deceptive and dishonest is at the heart of infidelity. Entire books have been written on the centrality of dishonesty in the life of a person who is unfaithful. So watch out for dishonesty. The distance between you and your spouse and your desire for something not yours will lower your resistance and weaken your conscience. Don't lie to each other, spouses. Don't lie to each other. Be totally honest. If something is kind of weird or something you kind of, there's an accident or uh, you be honest with your wife. Be honest with your husband. Um, if you're a dishonest person, you're setting yourself up for some um, some hurt. Uh, the, 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 the writer concludes this way. Uh, David's story seeks to teach wisdom and insight. If we heed the warning side, signs we too can safeguard our hearts and marriages from infidelity. Yet warning signs against sin are not the only insights that the Spirit gives us from the story. David wrote Psalm 51 shortly after he met with Nathan. When you find yourself in the, in the midst of infidelity or even being tempted, this psalm invites you 
to turn to God's faithfulness, His abundant grace, and His steadfast love, and God will blot out all of your sins. Nobody is immune to adultery, but God's faithfulness can transform the attitudes and desires of your heart. Pursue closeness and intimacy with God and your spouse. Pray for full contentment in what the Lord has given you. Strive for radical integrity in word, thought, and deed. As you progress in these things, you safeguard your heart in marriage.